This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, a Beach 18 freighter pilot hauling newspapers deals with an in-flight engine fire. Find out what happens in Wall Street Journey by Ron Davis. Late October in Mississippi can be nice. The cold air has not made it this far south yet, so we usually get cool nights, warm days, and lots of sunshine. I'm lying in the shade under the wing of a Beechcraft Model 18. The airport is Meridian's Key Field, a joint civilian-military airfield. It's about an hour before lunchtime, and the air has already started to heat up. I'm watching the mechanics replace a jug on one of the Pratt & Whitney R985 radial engines. The day before, October 26, 2000, I got a call from operations at the flying service I worked for and was told to be ready for a flight to LaGrange, Georgia to haul Wall Street journals from there to Jackson. I would leave Hawkins Field, go to LaGrange, load the 18 with newspapers, and then fly them back to Jackson for Friday morning delivery. The airplane I would be flying was a 1965 Model H-18. The two R985 engines produce 450 horsepower each. The conventional landing gear, steers from the rear, was common for that time period. Pre-flight requires getting out onto the wings to check fuel and oil. The airplane holds 318 gallons of fuel, and for each engine, 7 gallons of oil. That's right, gallons, not quarts. The oil is in tanks external of the engines. After finishing the pre-flight, I picked up my paperwork and prepared to start the beast about two hours before dusk. Pre-start flow was performed, engine primed, start switch engaged, prop swings through two revolutions, magneto switch on both, primer switch as needed, ignition booster switch held on until start. If you have done everything correctly and in the right sequence, the engine will begin to belch large volumes of smoke. Once it settles down and all cylinders are firing, it makes the most beautiful sound an aviator will ever hear. Now we can perform the three-handed trick for the other engine. Departing Hawkins Field, I climbed to 5,000 feet for the leg to LaGrange. I had the sun to my back, power set for cruise, airplane trimmed, life is good. What was that? The left engine started muttering, but there was no apparent power loss. Three or four seconds of that and it went back to the smooth, rumbling sound a good radial should make. Must have been a little shot of water in the fuel. Maybe a plug got a little bit of metal and shorted. I landed and met the truck and crew with the Wall Street journals. I took off in time to see a sunset that would have made Monet reach for his brushes. I was climbing through 3,000 feet when the left engine started muttering again. This time it lasted for about 10 seconds and then smoothed out. I had planned to stop at 6,000 feet but decided to go on up to 8,000. 
By the time I got to 8,000, it was dark, which makes leaning the engines easy. You can see the exhaust stack on the left engine, and you lean to make a nice blue-tinged flame. To do the right engine, you can see the flame and the reflection of the windshield. The engines were in sync, and the air was smooth as glass. Bam! The cockpit lit up, as if I had turned on the inside light. The airplane yawed to the left. I looked out at the left engine. White and yellow flames were coming from the exhaust. Flame extended beyond the trailing edge of the wing. Training for these unexpected events is what we do, so the brain says. Forward, 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 identify, verify, then fix it or feather it. Not so fast. An old pilot who has flown in three wars once told me to count to at least ten before you start yanking levers. I think this is good advice, because there have been many instances in which an excited pilot shuts down and feathers the good engine. Meridian was 20 miles ahead. I was 8,000 feet with one good engine. Maintaining altitude might be a problem, so continuing to Jackson was not an option, but I had time to work on the problem with the left engine. Fly the airplane. Three-degree bank into the good engine. Rudder trim to get the pressure off my right foot. Maintain heading, airspeed, and altitude if possible. Now work on the problem. I called Memphis Center and told them that I had a problem with the left engine, but did not want to declare an emergency. I left the right engine alone and went to work on the left. Mixture, rich. Flame got longer. Reduced power. Flame got shorter. Increased power. Flame got longer. At least I had identified the bad engine. Time to shut it down. Throttle to idle. Mixture idle cutoff. Fuel selector off. Cross feed off. Cowl flap closed. Prop to feather. Oil shut off. Valve closed. Ignition off. And finally boost pump off. Memphis Center handed me over to Meridian Approach. I got two questions from the next controller. What are your intentions? And do you wish to declare an emergency? I explained that I would like to land at Key Field and I had everything under control and would not declare an emergency. He told me to plan for a visual to runway 22. 22 is 4,599 feet long and it would be almost a straight-in approach. I'll stick with that plan. I was down to 2,500 feet with the runway in sight when approach turned me over to Key Tower. Landing checklist complete, including making sure the tail wheel was locked, I started my descent to the runway. I made a wheel landing and then left turn onto Charlie, then Bravo, but without a left engine to straighten up, I could go no further. I shut down the fine old Pratt engine that had carried me to the airport. I had time to think about all that had occurred and to figure out my mistakes. The big one was not declaring an emergency. When an emergency is declared, the controllers have a lot more options to offer a pilot. Given the circumstances, runway 19 would have been a better choice. 10,000 feet of runway can take care of a lot of mistakes on the approach. Things I had done right. Listening to my instincts was important. Climbing the extra 2,000 feet to give me more options and counting to five before doing anything would be a close second. Oh, by the way, the engine had swallowed an exhaust valve and nothing I could have done from the cockpit would have fixed it. On the way back to Jackson, with the two R985 engines rumbling away, I dodged puffy cumulus clouds and thought, flying is fun and they pay me to do this.
The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Mm-hmm.